Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. I will be joined later on by Josh Kendall, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for The Athletic and does an incredible job with the team over there. So he will be joining me for today's conversation. We, as we do each week, kind of touched a little bit on last week's game, wrapped up some storylines from that, got his uh, take on a lot of the occurrences that happened um, against Washington in that loss. But then we spin it forward and we look ahead to a really, really pivotal and important, I might say the one of the most important uh, games of the season coming up for the Atlanta Falcons, their first division road game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So stay tuned for that. We've got um, really a, a lot of great insight from Josh on deck for you all. Uh, before we get to Josh, I wanted to bring up a, a little bit of news and notes. Today's show will not be on our YouTube channel, but you can find most of our podcasts and shows, including all the ones with Ovi and I, after uh, each game recapping that week's action up at our YouTube channel, Believe in Falcons. Same name, easy to find, so uh, please go check that out if you guys like the visual format as well. Um, another big thing, next Sunday, or I guess this Sunday, after the Tampa Bay game wraps up, about five minutes afterwards, Ovi and I will be hopping on Bleacher Report to do a live stream on the Bleacher Report app, sharing our just immediate quick reactions to this game. Did the Falcons win? What does it mean? Did they lose? Is the sky actually falling? We'll get into all of that. Just some real quick hitting thoughts. Um, I will send out all of the info uh, on Twitter at Will McFadden for you guys uh, in the lead up to that so you won't be able to miss it. But just wanted to uh, leave a note here that you will get Ovi and I uh, immediately after the game on the Bleacher Report app. And then once that wraps up, we'll go back, we'll dive into everything, uh, look at the quotes, look at you know the game again, all the stats, the figures, and give you uh, a little bit more of a deep dive reaction to the game that you guys will find on this channel bright and early, as always, uh, Monday morning. So that is a little bit of housekeeping that we've got uh, for you guys before I get into my conversation with Josh. Um, but first, it's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is the number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football as well at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on stats, news, and odds. We have everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS along the way through the World Series. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Very excited to be joined now by Josh Kendall, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for The Athletic and does an incredible job. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh The Athletic. Josh, thank you so much for joining me, man. Thanks for having me. So we're going to get into kind of the nitty gritty of what I feel is a very important week for the Atlanta Falcons. But I just wanted to start big picture with you and 
through six games, the team is three and three. Uh, you know, we talked before the season in a conversation that there is no actual physical proof of, but I swear everybody that it, it happened and it's <laughs> real uh, and I'm stupid and I didn't hit record, but uh, in the time since we last talked, what are your thoughts about the three and three Atlanta Falcons? Is this the team that you expected to see? I mean, which which one? Which team? Uh, th- that's my biggest concern about the Falcons. Not that they're three and three necessarily; they're in fine shape. But the fact that their performance has been so inconsistent—not just wins and losses, but just the way that they have played—we've seen them play really well for short stretches, and then we've kind of seen it come apart. Then they've done enough in three games to, you know, mostly near the end to get it done. But I, I, I worry um, in year three of the program that they're not finding able to find more consistent performances themselves, regardless of what the opponent is doing, but just themselves offensively. The defense has been – I think the defense has been good to very good, but the offense is too inconsistent at the moment. You say year three, and and I know that that is – has been a big talking point all offseason. Frankly, you know, since Arthur Smith and Terry Fondo took over, anybody who looked at the financial layout could see that, all right, year three is is that pivotal year – but because this team has changed so much, not just since 2021, but really each year in between, I'm curious what to you is the kind of common continuity between the first year and year three to the point that we should expect all of this to be clicking? Because I, I look around and you've got new faces in, in Jonu Smith, in Bijan Robinson, in Desmond Ritter, you know, as a full-time starter here. And defensively, it's a lot of newcomers. So I've had a hard time kind of say, yeah, year three sounds nice. It, it puts the pressure in the playoffs there. But I still look at this as a team that is kind of learning to play together and is going through some of those growing pains. So where where do you see the continuity? And then how much grace do you give some of these these learning curve moments? You know, I don't know that you that the NFL allows a lot of grace for learning curves. You mentioned the defense. That is a <laughs> lot of new faces, and, and they're playing well. I think what, what we felt like offensively was going to be the rudder for this offense was the offensive line. Arthur mm-hmm. Smith believed in offensive line play. He believed in physical play. It starts there. We've got a run game. We're going to build everything off of this. They have a second-year quarterback who's making, what, his 10th career start. I get all of that, but – they had three years to plan for this season. This was their plan. This is the team that they put together. And, you know, you don't get five-year turnarounds in this league. Um, they came in. At the three-year plan doesn't come, you know, that's not us putting words in their mouth. These are the words right. that, that Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot told to Arthur Blank. This is their plan. So this is year three. You know, this is the quarterback that they have chosen. This is the route that they have chosen. Um, this is the NFL. Uh, you know, I, th- I think these guys are doing a good job. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't mean to be critical or, or to assume or to say that, that anybody's on the hot seat or even pending, you know, up, coming up on a hot seat or anything like that. I'm just saying this is the NFL. It's not a league known for grace. This is year three of their th- of their three year plan, and I, th- I feel like offensively they should be more consistent. Yes, and I mean that that is totally fair. I think that especially the way this season started know it you know some of the issues with the falcons offensive line that were uncharacteristic based on what we saw last year the run game in recent weeks hasn't been there but you do see some signs of growth certainly with the passing game that is evolving so uh, you know i'm curious with the offense specifically what has your attention more this week is it some of the miscues in the key moments we saw last week which speaks to 
this continuity growing, you know, learning curve issue that, that you've kind of talked about that the Falcons are finding themselves in right now? Or do you look at kind of the expansion of that passing game and the growth over the last couple of weeks, at least statistically, of Desmond Ritter and and kind of this offense? Or is it, you know, the rushing game and this offensive line? And why is that not kind of going up into full gear? Which of those three things are you kind of focused on most at the moment? Eliminating the mistakes in the passing game. Because we've seen Ritter do some things, some good things that I wasn't 100% sure he could do. We've seen him make some really good throws into really tight windows in, in key downs and all. I think he's shown some really, really good things. There have also been some bad moments. So for me, you know, I, I don't think that, that Atlanta can get to where it wants to go playing the way it did in 2022. I think that that, you know, that sort of bruising run game makes your floor high, but I'm not sure it makes your ceiling super high. The way they're trying to play now, it makes your ceiling higher. I also think it might, might make your floor lower because you can't just go, or at least you're not just going to go back to, all right, we're going to run six different run schemes at them and we're going to wear them down and we're going to you know try to win in the fourth quarter. So I think that this is necessary, the way that they're trying to play. But in order for that ceiling to be high, They've got to clean up the mistakes. Um, and Todd, you know, going against Todd Bowles, a guy who can scheme it up a little bit defensively, that's not going to be easy. Yeah, you, you mentioned kind of that that high floor, high ceiling, all of that shaking out and expanding the offense and the capabilities that come along with that. And I, you know, Arthur Smith said something in his press conference, I think it was Monday, that was really interesting and stuck out to me kind of along those same lines, talking about Tennessee and, and just knowing, hey, look, like when the, the chips are down and you got a quarterback who's struggling or what have you, we knew we could just go back to basics and kind of come in tight and just run for 200 yards. Like that was just something they knew they could kind of fall back on. It seems like last year when the offseason that was had, especially at the quarterback position, that that was maybe the mentality for Arthur Smith is like, look, I know that this can work. I know we can we can serve this dish and it'll be good and our restaurant won't close and we'll be, you know, okay with this. But to your point, it's a little bit like taking back roads and now you're kind of creeping onto the highway where, yeah, you can go a little faster. You can kind of do some more things, but there's a little bit more risk there. Where do, do you think Desmond Ritter is going to continue to kind of evolve in this way along with the the passing game? Or are there real concerns that some of these mistakes that we saw and that we have seen with, you know, passes that should be picked that aren't uh, incompletions that kind of make you scratch your head because he had been playing so well up until he hadn't? And, you know, again, some of these operational miscues where sometimes you need the guy on the field to say, hey, I know what the plan was, but like, I'm in charge of getting this going and we got to do that. I, I think it's fair to question if we have seen enough of those moments to kind of have a read on Desmond Ritter. What are you seeing? We haven't seen enough of those moments. We haven't seen them consistently enough. We've seen those moments. So, you know, he, Desmond Ritter has done enough that I don't think we're talking about, you know, seeing Taylor Heineke anytime soon. And we were talking about that two weeks ago. In the last two mm-hmm. weeks, Desmond Ritter has done enough good things to end that conversation. He has not done enough good things to – proclaim that Desmond Ritter is the guy, capital T, capital G. And, you know, do, what do I expect? I don't know. They, they, they don't know either. <laughs> That's what we've got to find out. This, this has got to play out, and we've got to see, does he iron out some of those things? Does he eliminate those things and keep the good things we've seen? Or is that just not going to happen? Which, if it's not going to happen, then Arthur, um, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have got to come up with a 2024 quarterback
Uh, I know Jerry Gray spoke today and, and he was kind of talking about the plan and practice for getting Desmond Ritter up to speed and if you can maybe shorten that learning curve uh, in any way. And he talked about what the defense is doing to help get the second-year quarterback ready faster. Can you uh, explain kind of what you learned about that approach today? Well, I, I missed Jerry today, um, and I haven't had a chance <laughs> to listen to to listen to. Yeah. Jerry Gray is a very interesting guy, and uh, you know Arthur Smith had a lot of respect for him for a long time. He's the guy who gave Arthur his first real job, or Arthur feels like his first real job in in the NFL, hiring him as a as an assistant um, or as an analyst essentially. And he's got a big picture, total team viewpoint. And he brings a lot of things to the table throughout the organization. And I think that's what Arthur Smith knew when he hired him. So I think that I think that Arthur is very willing to let Jerry Gray try some things that involve the whole team. And one of those things, yeah, as he was he was mentioning today, was they're giving Desmurder a lot of unscouted looks uh, in practice, right? And so usually you've got your scout team, and they're out there, and they're going to simulate what kind of the other team's defense is going to do to help get your offense ready for what they're going to see on Sunday. They're throwing Desmond Ritter things that, that he may or may not see, but he hasn't seen yet. And all of that is to kind of make, I guess the practice week harder on your young quarterback so that when you go out there on Sunday, that maybe it's a little bit easier. Obviously you don't do that with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan, you know, the veterans who have kind of seen it all. Then it's all about maximizing that preparation, giving them the answers to the tests but hearing that and hearing the unscouted looks that Atlanta's defense is kind of forcing upon their quarterback in practice, do you think that that's a sound approach? I mean, it, it kind of makes sense to me, but I could also see there being drawbacks come Sunday when maybe you have fewer answers to that test. I think, in the, again, it's a ceiling versus four question. I think for the ceiling of this offense to be good, goes back to something you mentioned earlier in the conversation is Desmond Ritter's got to be able to figure out some things on the fly. Desmond Ritter's got to be the guy on the field. He can't just necessarily be Arthur Smith's arm and, you know, just paint, just paint by numbers exactly within the line. So if they're going to get where they want to go, he's going to have to be able to figure out things when it's the look is not perfect because it's, it's just not probably most of the time in the league. So I think this is all about pushing the ceiling higher and that comes with risks. I want to get to the defense here in, in one second, but just switch to one personnel move offensively that you know I think could have a big impact for the rest of the season, and that's Van Jefferson. Obviously, he was out there on the field for the first time this past Sunday. Um, I you know I expect his role to continue to grow as he's got more time around the team and in this offense. What uh, what are your thoughts on Van Jefferson's kind of role with this team and why he's here in Atlanta? Well, they had hoped that Scotty Miller was going to be Alana Dezakias. Um, or Demir Burr. Open deep a handful of times every game. They were not getting that from Scotty Miller for whatever reason. I didn't even see them ask that much of him, um, mm. even though I thought that's what they signed him for in the offseason. Immediately, you see Van in the building, and you see that shot. They hit some of those shots to Demir last year. That changes the complexion of everything. Just being able to take them changes things a little bit. Now, yeah. the next step is you've got, you've got to hit them. Absolutely. I mean, you and it. What the other thing, even if you're not hitting those shots, I, I do think when you say it changes the complexion of of the offense, they needed more juice to that kind of runoff guy, in my opinion. Right when you saw it was Drake and Kyle, and and they were running that dagger concept, or um, 
you know, like a sale or something. They just didn't have enough spacing, I felt, between the deep right. middleman and, and kind of that, you know, whoever was the underneath guy. And that is where I think Van Jefferson helped clears out that area much quicker and then gives you gives Desmond Ritter a little bit more, I think, room to operate. Um, the other big news kind of this week, personnel-wise, the release uh, or waving Jalen Hawkins, um, the safety who has seen time this this year, although not as much, but has been involved in the past and obviously was uh, in kind of a pivotal year. He was shortly uh, ago claimed off of waivers by the Los Angeles Chargers. So that indicates that there was at least some interest. Uh, Ian Rappaport, you know, said he wasn't the only one that put in a, or the Chargers weren't the only ones that put in a claim for Hawkins. What's your sense of of why he's no longer here in Atlanta and and maybe what the team was kind of trying to do here with with releasing him or do you think there were attempts made i i have to assume that there were just because of how the league works but what's your thoughts on this whole situation well you know, i put jalen hawkins in my trade candidates that we did last week because i thought that you know i thought that jalen had a really nice camp um mm-hmm. and the playing time just did not materialize this fall to the point, to the point that last week demarco hellams was in on the third down packages that jalen had been in previously this year. So I think that, um, you know, we've seen this, we've seen this regime outside of a couple of very notable exceptions like Grady Jarrett, like Chris Lindstrom move on from guys that the last, you know, guys that the last staff put a lot of faith in Michael Walker comes to mind, yep. whatever it is, you know, this is not unusual in the NFL. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people like their guys, um, and it, you know, it never, <laughs> I don't know if Jalen Hawkins was or was not their guy, but you know he had a better camp than you would suggest than, than his snaps on the game field would indicate. So I think probably Jalen had a little frustration with that. Um, I, you know I, I think everybody wishes Jalen uh, Jalen good luck in San Diego. Yeah, I mean absolutely. I'm uh, not in, in Los Angeles. Forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I still make that mistake from time to time because San Diego Chargers just sounds sounds Much way better. cooler. Um, but I, you know, I'm not necessarily surprised he's gone because especially as you mentioned, DeMarco Hellum's playing well, they, they brought up Mark, Micah Abernathy, who had kind of an up and down camp and maybe he's shown some things in the week since where they obviously, you know, think he can play a special teams role. Cause that's kind of what Jalen Hawkins was really out there for, especially with Hellum's kind of in that three safety package. It looks like it, again, it's just kind of the sense that nobody out there was willing to offer a seventh round pick for him or anything like that. I mean, what do you have any right. uh, insight into why, why maybe waving as opposed to getting anything It just nobody out there was willing to offer anything. I, I'm sure they try. I'm sure they tried. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, he might've had suitors once he was waived, but nobody was willing to step up with anything in return. So I guess he wasn't that sought after got to be a little bit of a stinging setback as a uh, as a player but Jalen Hawkins has been on this podcast before we wish him well uh, out there sure. as you said in sunny Los Angeles not sunny San Diego anymore um, all right last one uh, for you here Josh I, I want to pivot to the the game coming up on Sunday it's another division game it's on the road your first division game on the road against a Buccaneers team that I, I think heard a lot of people talking about how bad they were supposed to be this season, a defense hearing a lot of that off season talk and saying, Hey, you know what? We were here before Tom Brady. We're still here after him and we're pretty good too. What do you expect this team's, uh, the Falcons 
mentality to be throughout the week is you have a big, important game on Sunday and you're kind of coming off of a frustrating loss that exposed a lot of maybe new problems that you didn't necessarily anticipate. Yeah, I, I think that you gave away your, any cushion you might have been able to get by, by losing a game you should have won at home to Washington. Arthur Smith made the point that you can bounce back a division game. He said, you know, sometimes they can feel like two. The problem is they can feel like two when you lose them as well. So I think that <laughs> yeah. the Falcons are in a precarious position um, to be to be so early in the season because, um, you know, obviously it's on the road. You'll have a chance to tamp at home. It's not must win. The season's not over, et cetera, et cetera, if they lose, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But – they're gonna they're gonna feel like they're not where they want to be if they lose this game. If they win, then all of a sudden they're two and zero in the division with one of those wins coming in the road, and they everybody feels great. But I think this is a really key game for the Falcons. Do you think bringing up the the Washington game, like it, what likelihood do you think there is that that the Falcons are looking at the end of the season and really kicking themselves? for dropping that game at, at home because you're in a wild card race with a team like Washington and you really need to win those types of games. Oh, I think it's very likely. Yeah. I mean, this is not a team. I think Atlanta, when I thought coming into the season, Atlanta was a playoff team, but they're not, they're not in it. They're not, they're not so much you know, in that field securely enough that they can throw away anything. I think they need everyone they can get and they could have, should have gotten that one against Washington. And there's no question that they, they could be looking back at that really frust- really frustrated at the end of the year. And for that reason, I mean, I, I think we all thought coming in the NFC South, like that's the the best path to the playoffs for this team. Obviously, it's a guaranteed path to the playoffs, but you don't want to get into the murky waters of some of these other NFC to, you know, Seattle, an L.A., a Washington like that. That just muddy water is really tough to climb out of. So because they dropped that one against Washington again, it is is this Sunday that, I know you said it's not a must win because obviously the, the math is what it is, but it, it feels like it's going to be one of the most pivotal games for the 2023 season and a little bit of a sliding doors moment. Is that overstating it? No, no, not at all. I mean, they're going to be behind the eight ball if they lose on Sunday in, in Tampa Bay. They're going to feel really good and that things are right back on track if they win. But if they don't, this team will be behind the eight ball and will be playing catch up, which they've done a lot of and would hope not to have to do in 2023. Yep. Uh, my co-host Ovi Mahaley said, you know, when they went three and two, that was huge because you're a winning team. It doesn't really matter that, that you're just one game above 500, but the mentality of, of just being a winning team is important. So now you are at 500. If you lose, you're below that. And we've seen in, in recent years how, how things like that can go. Um, so, yeah, hopefully the Falcons get a turnaround. Josh, is, is there anything else that, that I have failed to ask while I've got you that is just on your mind about the Atlanta Falcons and kind of the state of, of this team right now at uh, entering week seven? No, I mean, I think that yeah, the, the two things are Des- Desmond Ritter's performance, will it get more consistent? And what is this? where is this team in the NFC South race on Monday? I mean, I think that yeah, everything else pales in comparison to those two. Well, I, I think I at least can keep track of, of two things over the weekend. That's one more than I, yeah, I usually right. try to keep track of, but I, I think I can manage two. So that is awesome. Um, Josh, thank you so much for your, your time, your insight. I, I really appreciate it. Again, you do great work at The Athletic, and I, I really hope all of our fans continue to check you out every single day. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. All right, that will do it for me today. Thank you again to Josh for hopping on and joining me for that conversation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, today's podcast was presented by Bet Online. Be sure to check out 
the Bleacher Report live stream, which will go up five minutes after the game or right around then. Um, and you guys can get Ovi and I's rapid reaction thoughts to Sunday's game. Hopefully it's a win. If it's not, we'll be there to break it all down for you as well. And then bright and early Monday morning on the same feed as this one, you will get Ovi and I a little bit more. We will make it different. You're going to have a little bit more context, quotes, deeper thoughts, everything like that. So that will all be dropping bright and early Monday morning. That will do it for me this week. I'll see you guys again on Sunday. Until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.